0: You
2: suck! Well, we hope to, or I should say, I hope to, even more at Solo Suckage, Mark Grody is on the sidelines of Soldier Field, or Soldier Fields, is that how you say it now? Bears, Bills, quarterback matchup nobody wanted to see, Andy Dalton, Mitch Trubisky. So I'm doing Saturday Suckage solo. Steve Rosenblum here. Thank you for listening. We'll take you up to Cubs pregame, 1245, and Cubs Royals at 120 this afternoon. So this began, as I introduce our next guest, this began reading an answer on Twitter. And I don't know what coach started this. I don't know what comment started this, but... The Twitter question was, what's the most disrespectful thing a coach said to you? My next guest tweeted, after we lost a game, our coach told us it was his fault, his fault for recruiting us. Sean Barry is the man who tweeted that. Sean, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate that.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, Steve. Good to be here.
2: I just, I got such a It sounds like a college thing. Like did a college coach say that unless it probably guess private high schools recruit. I'm not sure where it was. And I don't want you to feel bad indicting somebody, but I want to know at what level a coach would say that to a baseball player.
1: It was uh, it was college and, and it's okay. We can, we can say that. I've been to uh, went to three colleges. So, uh, we at least give a, uh, you know, a little bit of chance on who it was, but, uh, yeah, that was said after a loss, and it was. Uh, I think we were playing like Vanderbilt or something, so you know the top team in the country. And uh, he was yelling at us, and we got the yeah. Hey, you know what, guys, this is my fault. He was always about the uh, the kind of fake, the fake uh, ownership, and hey, it's my fault, guys, it's my fault for recruiting you. And <laughs> we all laugh about that to this day. It was a good time.
2: I was gonna ask if that still carries on, but what at the at the moment did you look at each other? Were you laughing at the moment? Did he laugh, or was he was he serious as it was in you know, and we you guys lollygag? What do we call those guys? We call them lollygaggers. I mean, there was a, was there a certain seriousness about that response? Uh, he was always serious,
1: and, and uh, we always kind of said it was like Michael Scott coaching us. Sometimes um, <laughs> so we, we got. We, we we got good at being uh being quite you know, we weren't gonna laugh, but you learned how to bite both your cheeks so you wouldn't so you wouldn't laugh during the uh the intense postgame speech. Oh my
2: god. That's <laughs> excellent. That's excellent. Sean Barry is my guest. He's on the scores hotline, it's presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. So I read the response, I had no idea who Sean Barry was. So I went down and started the the Google machine and went down baseballreference.com, as it turned out. And he's born in Thousand Oaks. And I go, hey, that's not too far. I'm a Valley guy. I was born in the San Fernando Valley. I said, okay, now where do we go from here? Well, as it turns out, he was drafted by the Cubs and pitched in the Cubs organization. And I guess in another world, Sean... You might be given a chance to start a game this year, and the way things are going, you still might. So you were (laughs) drafted by the Cubs. Catch people up with your career, because I'm still climbing out of this rabbit hole that I find quite wonderful, and there's more to it than this.
1: I was drafted in uh, 2017, um, and good story there you know, the day after the draft, I went out in, in San Diego with some of my buddies, bought a Cubs out. We were all kind of celebrating, and you know, obviously, it was the year after after the Cubs won the World Series. And uh, so I'm in I'm in the bathroom, and some guy comes in in a Cubs jersey, and he's like, "Hey, you!" He was hammered, and he's like, "Hey, you you, you a Cubs fan?" And I was like, "Sure, you know I am now, right?" And uh, <laughs> he Eddie goes, "And he goes, you know, lifelong or just recent?" And I was like. Oh, well, just recent. He goes, Essendon bandwagon. He yells at me. and Wow. <laughs> and uh, and I was just laughing. I just let him have it and, and whatever. But uh, but also despite that, man, Cubs fans are the best and they are everywhere. You know, we played all over the country. I've traveled all over the country. I'm actually in, in Denver now living and uh, they're everywhere and Cubs fans are awesome. It's, uh, it was a great team to get drafted to with all the history and then, yeah, of course, you know, right after the after the World Series, there it was a great time.
2: So, who were some of your teammates that Cub fans would know as you came up through that pipeline from 2014 through 2019?
1: So, um, actually, interesting enough, today he's making his, his debut at least as a starter. Is Keegan Thompson, was my roommate for a few weeks when I was rehabbing my shoulder um, in 20. What would that be like 18? Um, so, Keegan Thompson for sure. Um, a lot of guys that, that are, you'll be hearing a lot about in the next few years, but you know, the Brennan Davises, Cole Franklin was with me a little bit. We weren't actually teammates, but just through spring training. Um, but Brennan, you know, Cole Roeder was one of those guys, Delvin's in, um, a lot of guys that'll be, you know, hopefully making their debut in the next you know year or two and, and kind of awesome baseball players, kind of awesome people. And they, they deserve the world and really looking forward to watching them the next year or two.
2: My guest is Sean Barry, pitcher for in, previously in the Cubs organization. Right-handed, throws right, bats right. And if he could be so Shohei Ohtani, he would be doing everything right. Um, you're a pitcher, and you watch that. What do you, as a pitcher, as a guy who tried to get up to the majors, Sean Barry, what do you think when you when you watch what Shohei Ohtani does?
1: Just unbelievable. I mean, we haven't seen anything like him since Ruth, right? I mean, what was that? 100, almost 100 years ago. Um, and just unbelievable. I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, be confident in my pitching abilities and everything, but I'll be the first one to tell you I don't even know what to do with a bat in my hand. And for a guy like that to have a, you know, two something ERA and hit 40 home runs and lead the bigs right now, that's that's unprecedented and absolutely unbelievable. He's He's a joy to watch and, just a a marvel in the sports world for sure.
2: So the, the the knock on the Cubs' development system. You were part of that. You were trying to work your way up. You got as high as South Bend in 2019. It was they were unable to develop pitchers to bring to the major leagues. Now you mentioned Keegan Thompson. He's an example. Uh, Braylon Marquez is is one of the top. 100 prospects, according to MLBpipeline.com, and that you were part of that. How do you evaluate how you were handled, how the Cubs handled pitchers, or or what when you hear that criticism? When you see the the most successful pitcher from the Cubs system is is pitching for the White Sox and and throwing six innings of two hit ball, Dylan Cease. What do you think when you hear that having experienced it and lived in the Cubs organization?
1: I think they're, I think they're turning the corner and, or maybe have turned the corner and are again, much better than other teams. I I think you see with, with all the new school baseball, with the tech and, and some of the data analytics that that's out there. Now you see the early adopters of that are the more successful teams. Now I, you know, of course I hated it just because of the the cheating aspect of it, but I hated, you know, the Astros doing that because they were doing it. It overshadows all the good that they were doing. They were a team that were an early adopter. I mean, we all know what six, seven years ago, they were terrible. And they really bought into, to all the new school stuff. You can put the, the twins, the rays, I mean, they'll make good strides. And then even the, uh, the reds after hiring Kyle Bode from, from driveline for their pitching analytic department, um, It'll be interesting to see. And, and the Cubs are turning that, that corner now with uh, Brendan Cigar. I think they hired one more guy after I left as well. But they're buying into more of the tech stuff, and you're, you're seeing the benefits now. Um, I think some of the criticisms early on is is if you don't have all that tech stuff, it's hard to corral whatever we have, 100 pitchers, uh, and really get personal with each one. But now with, with all the tech that's coming out, you can give each guy a plan. Tell them what they need to work on. We You know, the Cubs – my second year out of the pitching lab where you can get the edutronic cameras and get all the, uh, um, you know, just the tech in there. And that's why you're seeing that now with the Justin Steele's, the Keegan Thompson's that are coming up, Tommy Nance, um, some of those guys, and you'll continue to see it because we're buying into that, that new school baseball A big believer in it. And the stuff that pitchers can do nowadays with regards to pitch design and tunneling and just getting more pitches up to MLB snuff is paramount and using tech to get there is, is the way to go. And that's why you'll start seeing these Cubs prospect pitchers really start to shine now. And that's something that we you know, weren't able to do, as you said, the last maybe five, six years.
2: So the spin rates ex- accelerated and now it's, if it, you look at pitchers the way you used to look every hitter, because baseball created the situation, every hitter who has a, a wonderful year, maybe Shohei Ohtani, you look at, Somebody go! Wow, look at what he's doing, and it's got to be steroids. And every hitter gets to deal with that, gets to have that cloud over him because baseball, baseball didn't do anything about it. And then you look at players, pitchers cheating, and whether whatever belt checks, hat checks, whatever they're doing now. Suddenly, the sticky stuff is gone. Did you see examples of that? You knew guys were cheating, and did you face the question? I got, I gotta, I gotta rub this up. I gotta use tack. I gotta use whatever they're doing. My spin rate has to get better. I gotta do this cause this is my career. Did you face that? Did you do it? Yeah, I never faced any of the, any of the stairwood stuff that, you know, uh,
1: you know, I'm sure guys were, but it's not something you talk about. But the sticky stuff's interesting because I'm a believer in, you know, pine tar, a little sunscreen rosin, because those balls do get pretty slick. Um, and that's something that you know everyone might like to have a little in case of emergency. You're sweating a little too much. You, um, you know, the ball does come back slick. That's something you want. I, I think that's something hitters want as well, just a little bit. But where it does get a little a little fishy is when you know there's stuff made in the lab, like you mentioned, Spider Attack, Pelican Grip, things like that. That changes a pitcher's whole entire profile. If you're at, you're adding three four hundred RPMs to a slider a curveball, like that matters, right? And and so that's where I think it baseball can be a little bit better in that. But I do think they should have cracked down in the off season and made a little bit better, more defined rules than just no sticky stuff. Um, I mean, you saw the Tyler Glasnow injury. And, yeah, guys might have to squeeze a little bit more than they're used to making this change midseason. And you could see an uptick in injuries. You know, it's not this year, maybe leading into next year, um, just after the repetitive little bit extra stress there. But, yeah, I am a believer in a little bit of stick just, to, just for a little command. Um, I didn't use it too, too much, not because I'm, you know, with some moral high ground, but I was a low spin rate guy, and I wanted to keep my spin rate low with my gutter, so it was more advantageous for me to keep it low to, you know, induce a little bit more ground balls. But you, you see it, but it's incredibly normal. Um, I'd say before the crackdown, man, I don't know, 80 90% of pitchers are using some form of something because it's just – the culture. It's just kind of what you do. I don't think anyone really thought of it as getting an advantage. It was more so, like I said, just that little bit extra control, more so than spin, right?
2: You ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? Isn't that the uh, <laughs> said and unsaid mantra? So your career ended in after 2019 after a season at South Bend. And then part of my rabbit hole with Sean Barry involves finding out, not unlike Ian Hap, who might or might not have been a teammate of yours at some time, you end up in a Coffee business, part of RAK Coffee. So explain how that happened, and I really like the and explain the 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 emphasis of RAK Coffee and what you're trying to do for humanity.
1: Yeah, no problem. So so it all starts. I, mean, I come from just a stinking unbelievable family. My parents are the most generous people I've ever met in my life. We have people live with us for. You know, years and, and, and actually the best you know epitome of my family is my mom's grandma. You know, three four years ago was ninety something, and you know had a live-in nurse with her, and uh, just you know normal run-of-the-mill nurse, but she was awesome. And her parents are from Mexico. She was kind of stuck in in you know that cycle of you don't know poverty is the right word, but somewhere in there, and and. My parents when they moved to Boise and, and my you know, my grandma passed away and and they moved to Boise shortly after and they told that nurse she was twenty, maybe five or six, and said, Hey, if you move you can come to Boise, you can come live with us and we'll pay for your nursing school. We want you to, you know, help you get out of that cycle. And who who does that? You know, just for someone that they, they knew for maybe four or five months. Um just saying, hey, come live with us for, you know, a few years, we'll pay for your nursing school, and then go off and live your life and go kind of change the trajectory of her life. So that's my parents. And that's what I came from. So I always kind of knew I almost, you know, almost felt like I had a responsibility to to do something like that and give back. So my original thought was to, you know, start some sort of nonprofit. And that's a lot of people members of my family, my my cousins started a nonprofit called Build a Miracle, where they They built over 400 like American standard quality houses in Mexico. Um, They get they help kids go to school. They help kids learn English, music, computer tech, everything. It's it's one of the most unbelievable life changing things you'll ever see. Um, So that's where I came from. I also knew I wanted to start something like that. And then I was reading the book um, by the guy that started Tom's Shoes, and he was like, Hey, you don't have to start a nonprofit. Start a you know for profit business and do good with it and market that good and make people feel good about the purchases that they're doing in their everyday lives. So that's where I started to kind of pivot, you know, I'm a finance major and and like the business aspect of things. And so that was in my mind. So I just wrote a coffee business plan. When I went to school in San Diego, I fell in love with kind of the specialty coffee culture and, and, you know, the beans and the whole thing. And, and then in spring training, when I went early to rehab my shoulder, um, not a lot of people were there in the Cubs org, didn't know a lot of people in Phoenix. So I just started going into coffee shops, making friends with people and the whole thing. And, and a guy by the name of Ron Cortez owns Cortez Coffee in Phoenix and um, just made friends with him, was talking and everything was good. And when I showed up next spring training, he's like, Hey, I want to start a coffee company with you. You know, I've mentioned to him that I had interest in it and wanted to do it and, I said, heck, yeah, let's do it. So we're just online, and I think on our website we say we donate 20% of profit or something, but we donate everything. We don't, we don't take a dollar from it. Um, then, yeah, it's a good way to kind of, you know, I wanted to build some sort of machine that can kind of self-sustain it, self-sustain and kick out money for people that may need it. And so right now we're, we're partnered with three nonprofits. One of them is, like I mentioned, that Build a Miracle, and recently we, with the help of actually Christian Yelich, um, I know he's with the bad guys over there in the brewers, but <laughs> with the help of him, um, he donated like a signed jersey. He's, he's from my hometown area and good buddies with his little brother. And Christian and I used to work out at the same gym. But uh, we, we, you know, with our first few months coffee sales and with him donating that signed jersey, we auctioned that off. We're actually able to insulate this classroom for these children in Mexico that were, you know, the roof was all jacked. It was when it was, it wasn't insulated. So when it gets real hot down there, it's real hot. When it gets cold, it's real cold and, and we're able to help them out a ton. Um, so that was awesome. And then we're also partnered with forever found, which is they deal with former sex traffic victims and help them kind of, you know, rehabilitate and go, hopefully live, live a great life after that. So they, you know, they pull them out, rehab them and get them back into the world. Um, So we're partnering with them. And then the last one is progression athletics international. My brother-in-law runs that and it's working with, um, kids in foster homes and just kind of using the power of sports to, you know, inspire a little. And, you know, we go and we hang out with the kids and just tell them that somebody loves them out there. And, and it's awesome. So, so those are the three we're partnered with every bag that we sell sell about three, $4. Again, pretty much all of our profit goes to one of those three and, uh, and that's where we're at right now. We're still a little small time still online, but I'd love to open a brick and mortar one day and hopefully partner with that forever found and have some of those former um, you know, sex traffic victims be able to get some agency in their life and and have a job, put something on their resume, you know, get back to normalcy a little bit before before helping them out and, and getting them back in the world.
2: Sean, it all sounds terrific, and, and a, again, a big heart carrying on a family tradition. So, the name of the company and the web address for anybody out there who might not might have missed it the first time, share that with us. So,
1: we call ourselves just Rat Coffee, like you mentioned. It's R A K, and that's just random act of kindness because that's exactly what we're we're here to do. Um, and we, we want to make again when you when you buy our coffee, it's it's thinking think an excellent quality coffee. That's what I have every morning. Um, and, and we sell in the full, I got to p- plug it a little bit here, Steve, right? But uh,
2: No, go for um, it, dude.
1: Right, right. We sell yeah. full town bags, which you'll get a little more bang for your buck there. Um, but yeah, we want people to feel a part of. It's something if you're, you're everybody drinks coffee every single morning and, uh, you know, why not be a part of something awesome with your purchase, spend a few extra bucks
2: on better quality coffee and, and,
1: and help people out in the process.
2: So it's Rakcoffee.com, Rakcoffee.com. Random act of kindness. That's outstanding, Sean. It was great. Thanks. I'm I'm glad I came across your wonderful Twitter answer, and then you just proved to be more and more interesting. <laughs> and I thank you for your time, and I wish you good luck with this project.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Steve. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. Good luck with
2: everything. All sure. right. Thanks. Appreciate it. That is Sean Barry. I didn't know. Started doing some research. Found out. Well, former cop. Wow. Oh, look at that. I just, that was great. Random Act of Kindness. That's the name of the coffee company is a part of. And you heard what they're, what, who they help out with money that is, uh, comes in from their coffee being purchased. So that was that. We're late. Uh, I'm late. Not we. I can't have no one to blame it on. I'm late. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I had an idea. I wanted to try a different segment. So this is Saturday Suckage. We will hope that the next segment really sucks. I think we're capable of that, me and Brandon Fryer, who's my producer. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
0: This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago sports station.
2: Welcome in, welcome back. (laughs) So here's your update. There was uh, Mark Rody tweeted out, Mark Rody is at the Bears game, so this is solo suckage until 1245, and uh, Zach Saban will take over Cubs pregame, Cubs baseball 120 against Royals today. Mitch Trubisky received light applause. There were some boos. And then Mitch Trubisky took the bill 72 yards, 10 plays into the end zone on the opening drive. Devin Singletary ran 14 yards for a TD on 4th and 1 because Robert Quinn couldn't keep the edge on 4th and 1 so <laughs> there you go Mr. Trubisky is stinging he was 5 of 7 on the drive, 53 yards and he's stinging the Bears defense and Robert Quinn is just continuing to be awful alright, updates as misery warrants Uh, I said I wanted to try something, and um, this seemed like the opportunity. Solo suckage, so I uh, wanted to workshop a new bit today, a new segment. And if it doesn't work, well, then welcome to Saturday suckage. Anyways, this is called "I'll hang up and listen for my answer." Kevin Jenkins needed surgery and might not play all season for a team desperate for anyone who can even say the phrase offensive tackle. But would it be an official draft if Bears GM Hayden Ryan Pace didn't trade up for someone who can't play at all? I'll hang up and listen for my answer. Will the White Sox build a statue of Lance Lynn's belt? I'll hang up and listen for my answer. The Bears' choices for offensive tackle are dangerously young, dangerously old, dangerously bad, dangerously inexperienced. Is this how it works when Bears GM Hayden Ryan Pace and coach Matt Nagy collaborate? I'll hang up and listen for my answer. New Cubs pitcher Adrian Sampson called the competition among Cubs scrubs Game of Thrones-esque but wouldn't it be more accurate to call it Game of Clowns? I'll hang up and listen for my answer. Should the Bears offensive tackles be sponsored by the Chicago Skyway? I'll hang up and listen for my answer. What does Javon Wims do for a living? I'll hang up and listen for my answer. Could the cost of the Cubs' new team hall of fame have been better used toward re-signing a good player? I'll hang up and listen for my answer. If Nagy wanted a Bears camp where the defense is creating turnovers every day, then wouldn't Trubisky still be the quarterback? I'll hang up and listen for my answer. Will Nick Foles get booed worse than Mitch Trubisky today? I'll hang up and listen for my answer. Which will be worse for Bears GM Hayden Ryan Pace? Trubisky failing as a third stringer for the Bills, thus underscoring Pace's utter lack of credibility at the game's most important position? Or Trubisky developing into a smart and accurate quarterback, thus underscoring Pace's utter lack of credibility in making a coaching hire in a league that demands offensive brilliance? I'll hang up and listen for my answer. That's it. So that's how I hang up and listen for my answer. Thank you for thank you for suffering through it. Thank you for being part of Saturday Suckage. That's what Saturday Suckage is all about. And um, and so this text here, we're all request radio. Listening for his answer is my former boss Mike Kellums, who's taken Johnny Baseball to You're taking the Cubs game? Cubs Royals? Wait, isn't there a rule against that? Why? Why do you want to subject him to that? All right. Well, enjoy. Um, The Cubs, by the way, playing the Royals today. But next year, they'll be playing the Reds in the 2022 Field of Dreams game. It'll be on August 11th. This is wrong on so many levels. The but, but it's typical baseball. It's, um, I, I'm firmly of the belief, firmly in the camp, that this is a White Sox game. I'm firmly in the camp. It was suggested last week by my Trader Joe's freezer guy, Joey Ice. This should be the White Sox baseball's version of the Thanksgiving games, like Dallas and Detroit. Good or bad, suck or not whether you want to watch them or not, they host that game. And the White Sox were the team that well, through the World Series and here they are getting heroes because Tim Anderson ended the Field of Dreams game like it was the natural the home run and the fireworks. And as it turns out, the opponent for one of the the, the Cubs opponent is the Reds. The Reds were the team to whom the Black Sox threw the World Series in 1919, the Field of Dreams, and and all of that Shoeless Joe and everything's based around. So the White Sox should be the permanent host, and wouldn't the Reds be the perfect second opponent? Because they, that's the team to whom the White Sox threw the World Series. We'll get all the tiny Grow and Greasy Neal information. I, you know, I just, I don't want to. Any other team moving in there? I hate MLB. comes to, you know, when it comes to thinking Rob Manfred's an idiot, then I guess I'm going to have to take a ticket and wait in line a long time. But I just think it's a it's a White Sox game. It's a White Sox label. Anyways, I, I just think, and there are the Cubs playing the Reds. And it should be the White Sox Reds. Do the 1919 World Series all over again. That's the way it should be. The Cubs. Are they going to have Zach Davies next year? Oh my God. You knew the Cubs quit when they traded you Darvish. So in December, they quit on this season. It just took them a little longer to get away trading everybody else you wanted to root for. So after yesterday's game, Cubs lost 6 2. Davies has these splits for opponent's production each time. Through the order. The first time through the order, opponents are hitting 210 against him, a 686 OPS. Second time through the order, 2.60 or 2.260, 260 average, 774 OPS, a little higher on both. The third time, opponents are hitting 412 against Zach Davies. The OPS is 1.138, that's a Hall of Fame OPS. So that pattern held against the Royals. Royals launched, the Royals had never hit five solo homers in a game, they did against the Cubs. So there were homers in the fourth, in the fifth and the sixth innings. And that's what the Cubs traded for when they quit, when they traded Darvish. So before I go, thank you for listening to Solo Suckage. Let me leave you with this. According to TYC Sports and Argentinian Subscription Channel, Michael Jordan has made over $7 million in two weeks because of Leo Messi. Air Jordan manufactures jerseys for Paris Saint-Germain, Messi's club. MJ gets 5% cut of the club's shirt sales. Messi's kits have already pulled in over $100 million. Like I've always believed. In life, Michael Jordan won the toss and elected to receive. Thanks for listening to Saturday Suckage. Cubs baseball is next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.
0: It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Wait. Oh,
2: yes, wait, wait a minute, Mr. Post. Wait,
0: wait, wait, oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?